0: You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange, and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the group practice exchange podcast. Um, I have a coaching session for this week's episode, and it's with Vicki Brandt and we're going to be talking about the best ways that we can screen clients to get the most ideal client therapist fit. So, hi, Vicki, how are you doing?
1: Good, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Um, Vicki and I have uh, known each other for a couple of years now, and it's been really fun uh, watching you grow. And you kind of just brought up before we started recording that you're um, jumping into a larger space, um, which is really exciting. So, I don't know if you want to start with that and kind of get the crowd all excited about your growth, and then we can (laughs) move to um, kind of what your current uh, presenting thing is when it comes to uh, client screening and making sure that therapists are being linked with with the right clients.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm about to sign a lease hopefully this week on a new office space, which will expand us from three to eight offices. So I'm in the throes of working with contractors and architects, and also trying to hire a bunch of people to get that all going, so 2019 is going to be a very transitional year as I work to fill that space. Um, but long term, I'm super excited about the prospects. Yeah, and
0: I think uh, the last time you and I uh, worked together, what what did you have? Like maybe two or three?
1: I had clinicians three. three. Oh, oh, three clinicians clinicians,
0: right Something like that yeah. yeah, and now you have ten, yeah, <laughs> and you're looking to have around twenty right? You need to hire ten more or so, you said
1: yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
0: that's amazing, yeah, that's awesome. So how are you feeling about the the idea of growing from three to eight offices? You're almost tripling your office
1: space. I know i mean it's it's daunting for sure, mm-hmm. but you know long term, I think that it really fits with the vision of the practice and I'm excited about kind of what I'm building. And, you know, I have all these visions of how awesome it's going to be in the new space with the, with the team really integrated. And we have a lot of our training policies and procedures really solidly in place now. So I think we're kind of in a good place to, to expand. Um, And yeah, I think also the, financial benefits, someday I will reap them. Uh, hopefully next year. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So obviously it makes sense that this question is coming up for you because, uh, I tend to see this question pop up, um, as people have more clinicians and so being around 10, it's probably, you're probably already having been at this place, but especially if you're getting to that 20 person mark, um, within the next year or so is how do we find the way to, uh, most accurately, um, place a client with the right therapist, especially when you have a lot in the practice.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons this has come up for me is because one of our most recent hires, um, he's been with us for about three months now. He has a very different theoretical approach than a, most of the other people in the practice. Mm-hmm. So he's very CBT oriented, very directive, very goal oriented. And I know that I, I'm super happy to have him on board. I think that's like a nice compliment to. Uh, some of the approaches that the other clinicians have, but it's it's also different. And I think that it's a different kind of client that would work well with him. So we're just trying to figure out, you know, how to best match, match him with clients or match clients with him, I guess. And um, the other reason this has come up is just, you know, some of my therapists have sometimes complained about... Oh, I didn't really think this client was the right fit, but I didn't really feel like I could say anything after the intake session because they already, you know, the client is already invested, basically. Um, And some of that I think is about the therapist's expectations and maybe having an unrealistic expectation of what their caseload looks like or how easily they'll click with their clients. So I think part of my work is being a little bit clearer with clinicians about you know, managing their expectations. But then, you know, with this new therapist who has this very uh, directive approach, I do think it is a a real question to consider of how to kind of match up client and therapist most successfully. Yeah.
0: Um, one of the things that uh, after reading Mike Michalowicz's book, um, Clockwork, mm-hmm. uh, was that, you um, I realized that the, uh, did you read that book? I don't know if you, I don't remember. I think you did, right? Did you? Oh, you didn't read that one? Okay. Um, Is that there's the idea of the queen bee role uh, and I won't get too much into it, but what I found in um, my practice after doing what needed to be done to figure out what my business's queen bee role is, which is essentially like the thing that um, is your most important part of your practice. And so in our line of work, it's quick and easy to think, that a clinician is like the queen bee role. Like obviously the way, um, we grow as a business is when clinicians are seeing clients. So that, ha- that sounds logical. Like that's the most important role. But, um, when you dig deeper and in every business, there's like the obvious, like in, if at like a shoe company selling of shoes would seem like the most important role. But a lot of times it's, it ends up not being what you think the obvious thing is. And in my practice, I found after doing all this research and stuff that, um, the most important role in my business or the queen bee role in my business is the exactly this topic that we're talking about is the, the accurate referral of a client to the right fitting therapist. So, um, that person who is, would be your intake person, is kind of like the queen bee. And the queen bee role, the thing that we, all of our clinicians, all of our staff, everyone has to be hyper aware of and make sure that if this thing isn't happening accurately, then everything else will fall apart, um, is the accurate referral of a client to the right clinician. And um, the reason that I made that choice or that decision um, in my practice is that being the most important thing is that um, we can refer clients, you know, we get a ton of referrals. We can give clients all day long um, to our clinicians. But if it's not the right fit, we have low client retention. If it's uh, not the right fit, clients are unhappy. They're not then uh, letting their friends and family know and and we're not getting word of mouth. And so we found that it's not about um, actual therapy and it's not about how great the therapists are because you can have an amazing therapist who's matched with the wrong client and it's still going to go bad. And so we um, found that this actual topic is what's most important in our practice. So I've done, um, a lot to facilitate and I continue to do that to this day. And we'll always be focused on making sure that we're doing things in a way that, um, brings the client to the right therapist. If that means outside of our, uh, outside of our practice, then also so be that. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, what you're doing in terms of your screening process and and what that looks like now?
1: Yeah. So currently I'm pretty much the person that screens for insurance and schedule and then the very generic clinical issue. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have a a waiting list and then we also, you know, take people kind of as they call initially, but we always only ask for like a very generic um, explanation of the clinical issue so a lot of times it's like depression and anxiety or trauma or substance abuse, you know? So some of those things are really obvious, you know, like trauma client with trauma clinician. Um, but a lot of it is much more vague than that. So then, um, and it often comes down to like um, insurance and schedule. Yeah. So after, after I kind of choose the client for the spot and I say, I have this opening with this therapist at this time, if they agree to that then i send i send that information to the clinician and they they're the ones that are doing the phone consultation so the way that we currently frame it as you know you'll schedule a call with the therapist to see if you might be a good fit to work together and then the therapist kind of has two jobs in that phone consultation one is just to kind of like make a connection with the client before they come in yeah. and the other is kind of this screening tool right and mostly looking for red flags in terms of, is this the right level of care for the client? And is the clinical issue something that w- is within your area of expertise? Um, they do have the option if, it, if either one of those things is like a huge red flag to, to say to the client in the phone consultation, you know, like, you know what, I'm not sure that I'm going to be the right fit to work with you, or I'm not sure this is the right level of care for you. Let me refer you back to Vicky, and then I kind of take it from there. But, of course, that's never actually happened. Yep. Usually what happens is that, like, it seems within the scope of the client, of the therapist's expertise, and they plan the intake session, and then it just kind of goes forward from there. Um, and so the, the questions are, you know, like, should I be doing a more thorough phone screening? Should I be having my admin person do that to get a more robust uh, clinical picture? Um. Or is it about setting expectations for the client about what the phone consultation means or what even the intake session means? Because sometimes the therapists are saying, oh, it seemed fine on the phone, but then after the intake session, it it seemed like it wasn't going to be a good fit. Um, But I feel like the clients are already invested after you just email them and tell them that there's a spot open. They're already like, oh, great, I'm in with this therapist on this day and they're their expectations are already set for that. Yep. Um, so. I have a few th- things. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, I have a few things to say. Yep. Um,
0: and um, everything that I'm going to be bringing up, uh, I don't think you should do all of these things or do them all at once. These are things that either I'm doing or I've seen other successful practices that have lots of therapists do. Um, so jump just as a, and aside. Don't feel the need to try to do all these things at the same time because that could be overwhelming. But these are um, all good suggestions that I think will minimize um, the uh, inaccurate referral of a client to, to a clinician. And mm-hmm. so to answer the first part of your question, or I guess your, the last part of your question, which was um, cl- clinician expectation, I think it has to do with how you approach it. Um, for me, I want therapists to see their ideal clients, um, and I think of their ideal clients in in a wider range than just like trauma or works with anxiety, um, but more uh, more broadly. And so, a lot of times, clients will come in, and trauma is not the only thing. They might have trauma and like addiction, or they might have trauma um, and. Uh, OCD behaviors and so the person might be coming in to want to work on the trauma itself Um, but I find that it's not necessarily that you need to have an OCD specialist and a trauma specialist someone who's both but um, I find and I use this example a lot is I have a bunch of couples therapists and I have some couples therapists who uh, love working with couples that are literally on the brink of divorce. Like they're, it's super contentious. They love the, like that messy part. Um, and then I have some couple therapists that. Um, don't love it. And I feel like it is complete as someone who's also a couple therapist, I am completely okay, um, with the fact that I have some couple therapists who really like to work with couples that are kind of in this rejuvenation stage, like they're bored. Um, they're both completely committed, but they've just kind of become roommates or lost, um, that spice or whatever, but they're not, they're not, um, fighting or there's, there's an infidelity or there isn't, um, uh, st- like huge anger and, and verbal abuse or any of that kind of stuff happening. Right. And so for me, um, I, I feel like uh, these clinicians should be paired with the right kind of couple. So not all couples, uh, therapists are the same. Um, and so we work one hard at making sure that our bios are really clear. Um, and, and even with our couple therapists, it'll say, like I love working with couples who are so invested and in love, but have um, gotten into the monotony and routine of parenting and have forgotten um, what what they have most fun in when, when they're a couple, right? Mm-hmm. Or, and then another therapist will have who, who loves like, you know, really that dramatic relationship. Well, right. Like I um, specialize in working with couples and um, the couples that I typically see have had infidelity or ha- are um, have uh, horrible communication style. I'm just kind of making these things up right now, but like have a really hard time communicating and there's a lot of yelling and fighting and uh, both of you are unsure if you even want to be in it, but you just want to like kind of last ditch, try this thing out. Um, like this is the kind of couples therapy that I typically work with. And that is a, a just a good starting point um, because what I found is not all couples therapists are created equal. Not all child therapists are created equal. They, some will be um, better at working with kids with ADHD while others work better with kids that have behavioral problems or our school refusal. And so um, I dig really deep with the therapists um, when I hire them. And we have this spreadsheet where um, they check off the type of, populations and, and presenting issues that they work best with. And I always say, don't just check off things that you can work with. Um, like I have a couple of therapists who, you know, we all are trained in how to work with clients who have depression. Um, but we have some therapists who, um, they just don't like it. Uh, they can do it. And typically, um, as you'll see on like psychology today profiles and stuff, people will check off all the things that they can do, even if it's not their cup, like that doesn't fill them up, uh, clinically, um, and professionally as a clinician, I say, check off the things that are your specialties, that are your ideal clients, that if you had a caseload of, you know, these types of people, you feel like you're doing your best work. Um, and then, um, we use that information. So I'm kind of going in in a couple places. One, um, just the idea that, um, your trauma therapists might not all be, the best fit for a specific trauma ther- uh, client and so yes I think the screening piece might probably for in your case needs to be a little bit more detailed and some of the things that I do um, is, is say like have you done therapy before what have you liked or what haven't you liked about the previous therapist and then if I have um, like two couples therapist or two trauma therapists that are uh, available to that that client um, I say I talk a little bit like a minute about each therapist. And I say, so, because I know them. And if you have an admin, you know, your admin will get to know them. Um, but I will say like, we have one who's very person-centered. This is a person who is very reflective and um, will be a person that wants you to, you know, tell your story and be a storyteller and kind of um, lets you lead the way. And then uh, this therapist tends to be a little bit more direct. There are kind of that like, um, and I depending on, how the conversation is going, I I might say like this, this therapist is kind of like a no shit therapist. They will tell it as it is. They're going to challenge you. They're going to make you really work, um, to dig deep at things and they're really direct. Um, and you'll find, and this is just in terms of like personality differences, you'll find that clients are like, Oh yeah, I really need, um, someone that's a little bit more passive and like not as challenging because I'm you know, maybe they're really introverted or closed off or whatever. And they need someone that's going to, you know, let them come out at their own pace. And then there might be other people that are, that are like, I've seen like 10 therapists and all they do is nod their head and empathize. But I like, I just need someone to tell me like, you need to change the shit. Right. Um, and that maybe that more direct therapist is a better fit. So we do a little bit of that in our screening um, and and we don't just say, is it trauma? Is it couples work? Is it this? Uh, We go a little bit deeper into kind of personality characteristics, what what they've had before that has worked and hasn't. And I tend to be able to see like, oh yeah, this person, this therapist, even though that's her specialty is not going to be as good of a fit for just this particular client as this other therapist who also has the same specialty. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I guess my concern is that very often, we only have one opening. Yep. so that is, It's not like if that therapist isn't a good fit, then it's not like we can easily place them with someone else. Right.
0: And so some of the things that I'm thinking about when it comes to that, because we also have that issue where the best fit therapist is actually completely full. And so they might, um, the second best therapist for that particular issue with their set of circumstances and um, what they're saying they, they're needing in a therapist, um, the best one for them part in that moment might not be available. Um, you have a couple of decisions you can make. You can either say, um, you know, our the therapist that's the best fit for you is, is full. And, um, and, and so we don't have any space. I don't know. I don't do wait lists unless, um, my therapists are like, I'm going to have an opening in about three or four weeks. And then we'll say to that client, um, you know, in three or four weeks, this therapist who I think it would be amazing for you is going to be open. Um, but I understand, you know, wanting something more uh, immediate. And so you can continue looking. And if you haven't found anything, we'd love to put you in in four weeks from now. Um, or you can say um, something along the lines of that if there's another therapist who you think is actually a good fit, and maybe person, clinician A, is like, just your radar is going off, is like, she'd be amazing for this client but they're full, Um, but you have another person who that's their specialty too. Um, For whatever reason, your ringers weren't going off as much for her as with this other therapist because of, I don't know, maybe a personality thing or whatever. Um, But you still feel like this person has the background, has everything, um, the specialty for to see this client. Um, is that I, you know, I, you could schedule that appointment with them and I, what I do and what I tell my admin to do is if they are feeling like, um, you know, maybe because of personality, like they want someone a little, they need someone a little bit more direct and your therapist is a a less direct person, um, in how they present as a therapist and we can't, you know, have therapists be who they aren't and we can't tell them you need to be more direct with this one if that's not their approach. Um, is to to let the client know, you know, person B is open. Uh, this is, there are times that are open if it works to say, um, we really encourage if you're, you know, not every clinician is a great fit for a specific therapist. It doesn't mean they're a bad therapist. It's just when you put multiple personalities together, um, sometimes it, it just doesn't connect. If you ever feel like, um after a session or two that you're not connecting in the way that you wanted to um don't hesitate to give us a call back we can always facilitate something new um and and it's almost giving them the okay because i don't think a lot of practices talk about this um and i think it's important we say this for all of our clients even when we are like this person would be amazing for them and they're a good uh, fit based off of what they're saying that sometimes it just for whatever reason doesn't happen so we kind of have that dialogue anyways and say um you know, if for whatever reason you're not connecting, um, please give us a call back, and we're almost giving them that okay that they're allowed to even do it because most people will just fall off the face of the earth and like never call again because they're afraid of um, uh, of hurting someone's feelings or whatnot. So you can always add that piece in there, and um, and that that can help uh, when when that happens. But if you know that your own therapists are going to be like, no, this isn't a good fit, it's then not worth. Scheduling that appointment because it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. One, they're not going to be happy. They're they're not going to do their best work. It's going to reflect on the practice as a whole. Um, retention will be lower. Uh, client satisfaction will be lower. You know. Right. Um, another thing that I find to be uh, helpful, and it's something we put together last year at the beginning of the year um because a lot of clients find us on our website and even if they don't find us on our website we'll direct them to our website um i find that when clients pick their therapist versus say i want do you have a therapist that's open they're less invested if they're pick their therapist and they've you know done a little bit of research they tend to be a little bit more invested in the process um and if your therapist bios are very clear ours we use uh, nicole Bonsell's um about me template and it's worked amazing. All of our therapists use it, um, and it, they look all different, um, but they have a feel about it. And it's very clear who they work with and who they don't. Um, so if if you feel like your therapist web uh, bios are really you know clear and direct and to the point and outline the uh, clients that they like to work with most and they specialize in. Um, another option, especially for a bigger practice is having, um, a filter on your website and you can go on to mine and take a look at it. I, we have one and clients love it. Um, but what it does is uh, you filter by location. So obviously it, you can set your filter however you want. I have mine set by location, um, in case a client has a preference for one of our locations. And then, um, they can filter just by a specific therapist. If they want to just see like, I want to see Maureen's bio, they can drop down and all of our names will be there, but then they can filter by um, population. So what age range is it? Kids? Cause if they click anxiety, is it anxiety for kids or anxiety for adults? We have, you know, child therapists who don't work with adults. So we have adult therapists who don't work with kids. So they filter by age. So it says uh, child, uh, teen, adult couples, family. Um, and they can they pick from there, and then there's a second drop down right next to it. It has a ton of you know, like Spanish speaking, Polish speaking, anxiety, relationship issues. But on an individual level, like I I want to go to individual counseling to work on relationship issues. And then we have relationship issues for couples. Like there's a relationship issue, but they want to do couples therapy. and We have EMDR, dance movement therapy, uh, addiction. We have a t- every specialty that someone in our practice. Um, Specializes in, and then you can pick multiple things. And this is where I think it gets really down to the root of who's a who'd be the best fit because not all clinic clients are coming in with just like one issue, and so they can click on five different things they can say anxiety, work life balance, new parent, parenting issues, and uh, relationship issues, but like I'm, i I want to work on it on an individual level. And as they click all those things, it weans down all of our therapists, their faces start to disappear until the one to three therapists who specialize in all four of those things and, and show up. And so then the client has a better uh, ability because they might not bring all of these things up in an intake call, um, a better ability to see who really is a good fit for them. Yeah. Um, so that's a, it's that's uh, something that's an option. And it's nice because when you have admin who are newer, who might not know all of your therapists and like each individual specialty and a combination of specialties, um, they can then, you know, one learn from it by using it themselves. But they can also be on the phone with a client going through that saying, okay, so um, we have this filter tool and it really like can help you narrow down by all of the things you want to be working on, um, which therapists are the best fit um, and then go, you know, can go through that process with them.
1: Yeah. What do you think about the, um, an admin doing the phone consultations versus the clinicians themselves?
0: So we don't do, uh, we don't have the clinicians call, um, unless the client is already scheduled and the client asks for it. We rarely, um, have clients that are like, I want to talk to the therapist before I schedule that appointment. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when you're an individual clinician, uh, because you're the one answering the phone, the clients get it, you know, but in most like doctor's offices, uh, chiropractor offices and and, and groups and people know when they're calling a a group practice or a larger organization, because they typically go through the website, they know that it's not uh Vicky Brandt therapy they know it's your business um and so they're less likely to expect to have uh, the therapist talk to them uh, especially yeah. when there's a receptionist um although I do want to say that um if the act of scheduling uh, that some practices have uh, mentioned and we don't have this this issue but that some practice practices mention that when they don't have their um clinicians call to at least do like a welcome or hello call before the session that they tend to have um, a higher likelihood of no shows at the intake session or at the initial session so something to look out for if you make that decision to not do it is do you see an increase of people not showing up to that first appointment because um when that's happening a lot and people are talking about having you know half of their clients that they schedule not show up for a first appointment one of the first things i suggest is have your therapist then do a welcome um uh, email or phone call to just kind of have that buy-in. Um, but it doesn't sound like you're having that issue. And it could very well be that all your, it's because your therapists are having that conversation. Um, but we we don't see that as a, an issue on our side. Um, and ha- the amount of referrals that we have and the amount of sessions, our clients, clinicians are all full um, to add having to do Those welcome calls to every client, new client that they have, would just be extra work that isn't needed. So we just do it if a client is like, I really, I have a, you know, a special issue or whatever that they feel like they want to talk to that therapist first to make sure. We schedule that appointment, we email the therapist and we let them know. But like I said, it happens probably once every couple months and that's with 25 therapists, you know.
1: And does it come back very often that the therapist after the intake session was like, whoa, this is not a good fit?
0: uh no not often and okay. we we with how, how many therapists we have it's going to happen um yeah. at, at times and so what we do is we sit with the therapist a lot of times the therapist won't say anything because it doesn't happen that often a lot of our therapists are so full that they're getting maybe one new client every several months so it's not when when one client who's uh special to the the issues that they're coming in for are within their it's always within their specialty but it for whatever reason the um, the fit in terms of, uh, severity or, um, other outlying issues that weren't brought up at the intake call, that combination when it is, uh, not someone that they like love to see, um, because it doesn't happen so often, they tend to just work through it and use supervision to process ways to, to work better with that client. Um, because it's not happening often, but if they're getting like three new clients every week and two out of three are not a great fit for whatever reason, um, you'll hear more of it. Um, and so what we do is when it does happen, um, or if we see that a clinician is, does have a low client retention, that's usually when we bring up the, uh, fact that, um, there might be something going on with the type of clients that are being brought in. And so we'll look at, um, all the clients that have been retained that are the clinician's really good fit that they feel like they're well-connected to. And we say, like, what's the common theme among all of these clients that you have that you feel most fulfilled by when you work with them? And then we, we look at what's that theme. And then the what's the theme of the clients that you have that either didn't stay very long or you feel like you're not doing your best work with? And what's the theme around those? What do you see as commonalities on, on those clients? We tend to be able to find a theme and it's usually something that we can really easily pinpoint and then we look at their bio uh, and see does this does the bio uh, reflect um, something that is promoting those types of clients to call? Is there something in the bio that could be changed or added so that more of those ideal clients are, are kind of being directed there and then we also make sure we talk to our admin about it um, so that they they know to kind of screen for that as well.
1: Yeah okay
0: yeah. And any other questions? I know we're right at the end here, and you said you had an eleven o'clock here or twelve o'clock. I think you're an hour ahead of
1: me. Um, um, anything else you wanted to ask? No, I think that's actually really helpful. I didn't. I didn't even think of um, really looking at the clinician bios as a piece of of this screening process. Right? I was thinking more kind of procedurally what happens, yeah. but it makes sense. Um, it makes sense to kind of dig deep from that end. Yeah. And I think that, you know, probably down the line as we grow, it probably does make sense to have my admin do the phone consultations. It's just yeah. that would be like a pretty dramatic shift in her role. Right. Um, and obviously, many more hours of her time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so um, that's something I have to think about, but I think is probably on the cards for a, like a medium term transition to that. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's a that'll take a little bit of extra training and time for sure. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, well keep us posted on what you decide on that. And yeah, I just the way I start is by looking at some of the um the outside things like BIOS, um, ways to make it easier for clients to navigate the website to find their ideal client or yeah. clinician, and then how um how intake or whoever's scheduling that initial appointment um is is getting that information. And so if you're doing the intakes at this point or the scheduling of the intakes, I would go a little deeper and um go beyond just the basic uh, depression, anxiety, trauma thing and um ask a little bit. It's just a couple of minutes more and at the end of the day. But if it makes for a better fit with your clinician, um, you know, then that's well, like all you can ask for. Yeah. Um but I do understand that concern with when the best fit therapist is full that um, you have to kind of make a decision on is is the next best fitting therapist a good fit and just not as good of a fit maybe as the first one. Um, and if they are an okay fit and a good fit that, um, you know, how are we talking to our clients so that we are letting them know that it is okay to um to call back and, and ask for another therapist or to have a discussion with you or admin or whoever's answering the phones to see if there's someone that would be an even better fit. Because at the end of the day, they'll be able to tell you what didn't work with that person. And it'll give you another idea of you know what you need to screen for in the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I loved talking about this topic. It's one of my favorites. So thanks for um, bringing that up in the membership site. And I hope that it helps you kind of make a few little changes. And um, I'd be happy to hear in the future if you do make any changes that, it, it, that if it works or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll let you know. All right. Well, have a good rest of your Tuesday. Thank you. Take Bye. Care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.